Have you ever felt like you had a word from God or possibly a vision of the future, but you weren't sure what to do with it? If you have, you already know how challenging it can be to carry that vision and not try to make it happen in your own power at the same time. That's just one of the things Ken Brooks and I are going to dig into this week. Stick around. Welcome to Leaders Moment, brought to you by Vision Voice and FX Missions Podcasting. We encourage you to take this moment and use it to sharpen the saw of your leadership perspective and performance. We're bringing you interviews, stories, and more from leaders much like yourself who are taking action, learning, realizing potential, and getting results. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Talking with Ken Brooks here about some insights and questions he brought out of my new book, Anthologies from the Forefront, and Religion and the Future is the subtitle of that book. So, well, it's going to be available and should be by the time this broadcast comes out on Amazon. Anthologies from the Forefront, Religion and the Future. It's the third edition in the trilogy. Like I mentioned a minute ago, we're talking about being forerunners, one who has a vision and goes first, but in God's timing. But that's not all. We're also going to talk about intentionality, intentionally embracing difficulty, misplaced priorities, and so much more. If you ever felt like God was showing you something, but you weren't sure what to do with it at that moment, we think this will help you get some clarity on the challenges and obstacles that come with having a picture of where you're going while you're still walking alongside others who haven't seen it. Hello and welcome, uh, sports fans. Here we are at uh, this session of the Leaders Moment, and I, and I bring you, ladies and gentlemen, Ken Brooks. Hey, guys. Greetings, Ken. I'm in a weird mood today, Ken, but that's I guess that's okay. Good to see you, Scott. Hey, man, and you. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying these little, these little sessions we've been having. I am, too. Yeah. It's been good. I, I trust that it's a blessing to somebody besides just me and you. And please let me hear from you if you want to take me to task or whatever. Send us an email. The stuff will be in the show notes for that. We appreciate you tuning in. We do have an interesting session for you today. And we, I mean, it's going to be a little controversial. Maybe. This is going to cover some of the material that I put down in book number three of anthologies from the forefront, subtitled Religion and the Future. Mm -hmm. Scary music. Da, da, da. Yeah. Well, it's a scary subject. I mean, for uh -huh. sure. And Ken has been so kind to preview the material before it's been published. The unedited and unformatted. It was probably not that easy to get through, I got to say. Uh, did you have any trouble there, Ken? Did it? How many misspells did you find? I'm sure it was quite a few. Oh, it wasn't as many as uh, autocorrect or whatever. Grammarly. I have Grammarly. So oh. they were all over that. You did pretty good, honestly. 
Uh, Grammarly is a little, uh, they're kind of uh, anal, as you would say. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, they're they missing the nuance I'm trying to communicate. They are. I don't think they're from Texas, Scott. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, mean, I, I feel confident you're right about that. Yeah, maybe uh, New Hampshire or Vermont or something. Yeah, know. indeed. Rhode Grammarly. Island, even. Yes. Come on. Yeah. Grammarly. How dare you? Anyway, yeah, so Anthologies from the Forefront is going to be published right about the time that we're talking about it here. And this, we're going to try to give you some tidbits uh, in this episode that might interest you or perhaps give you a reason to look into it more closely. Mm -hmm. Religion is an interesting subject. What do they say? The things you don't want to bring up in mixed company conversations about religion and politics very true is there something else uh there's only two I, yeah i could probably make some subjects weird if we wanted to but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes well we're gonna delve into at least one of these subjects today we're not gonna talk too much politics at least as far as i know religion's an interesting subject i'll let you decide how you feel about it but I would love to hear from you on that as well. If you get to that point, you did pull out some kind of bullet points that stuck out to you, Ken, from the book. We'll kind of dig into those here. Is there anything else you want to say about the content before we kind of stumble into oncoming traffic? I think if you've read the other two books, I would just say don't expect that uh, he's going to cover the same stuff. This isn't going to mm -hmm. be like... I mean, it's part three, but it takes on a very different tone. It seems like you go mm. a little deeper in this one. And so mm. I was pleasantly surprised and nice. uh, appreciated what you had to offer. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think in my, my thoughts about religion and things like that, about, mm -hmm. you know, how, mm -hmm. what we got to think about and look for in times to come. These are important things. I really used to hate religion until I found a lot of it on the inside of me <laughs> in the sense that I thought it was someone else's problem. You know, as long as you think it's someone else's problem, you can really, you can get a lot of hate going, you know? Sure. <laughs> this should make for some interesting conversation. Yeah. I think it's a problem. Mm -hmm. But as long as we think it's someone else's problem, we're safely detached from it. And therefore, we can, you know, really get angry and blame others. But alas, I guess we shouldn't do that. Why don't we pull out here some of the highlights from your purview? If you want to give us one, TSF one here, I'll see if we can get it, get one across the plate. Yeah, let's just rip some faces off right off the bat, shall we? <laughs> Number one, I am convinced that our culture is producing some soft people. I am concerned about this. Soft bodies and hard hearts are a bad combination. What did mm -hmm. you mean by that? <laughs> were you talking well, to me? <laughs> no, I wasn't talking to you. I think you're you are not a soft-bodied person, Ken. You're a man of much discipline. And I think I was probably a lot firmer all the well around when I wrote this uh, whatever long ago it was. Maybe I was talking about myself at least. In the future, get it? Religion and the future. Uh, yeah, I wrote that a while back. Culturally, we are getting softer. 
I've thought about that a lot, and I wonder why. Mm-hmm. I wonder why it's taking people longer to come to adulthood. I think it's prolonged comfort or like uninterrupted ease. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like generational comfort. Yeah. It's not giving what I wanted to in, in terms well, of the words I'm using. Isn't there a phrase about that or something like they say, hard times create hard men, hard men create easy times, easy times create soft men, something something along those lines. Soft men create hard times. Yeah. I've seen it and it resonates. I saw a post or something to that effect. And mm-hmm. I, I got to say, that's true. Yeah. If so, we got some hard times in front of us in the future with this soft approach that we're taking. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I really glimpsed that when I was writing this, or at least had that in my mind, but I think it sure is true. Mm-hmm. If you think about culture and the way culture develops, think about Europe. I mean, just get your mind wrapped around Europe and you can call that, okay, this is exhibit A, right? Okay. And then think about Canada. Mm. Canada is exhibit B and the United States is exhibit C. And if you think about those three being on a timeline, in other words, Europe has had an established civilization and really stability from a civilization standpoint in general, not, you know, not thinking about the wars they've had particularly, but Mm -hmm. I mean, France has been there a minute, Britain, you know, it's been there a long time. London's been there since Roman times. So prolonged structure and civilization, all that is on a timeline. It's on a maturity continuum. I used to think that the United States is, you know, 40 years behind Europe Mm -hmm. as a culture and Canada is somewhere there in the middle. If you want to look at, you know, where we're going to be culturally 40 years from now, just look at the Europe that is out there right now. Okay. Or, you know, Canada's recently, they're defying me a little bit. They're trying to overtake Europe in terms of their (laughs) 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 approach to culture, I think. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Makes sense to me. Does it make sense to you guys out there? Feedback, please. Yeah, I just think the longer we have, I mean, there's a scripture. Is it in Jeremiah? My ready reference in my mind is not as ready as it it once was. You know, it said, is it Moab has rested upon his leaves? I mean, this is King James. Okay, that's what I learned in. Forgive me. Mm -hmm. Basically, the scripture compares Moab Mm -hmm. to a wine bottle. Yeah. Do you remember that verse? Not off the top of my head, no. Okay. So basically, it's, I'm, I'm giving it King James, guys. Forgive me. Moab has rested on his leaves. No one's came and poured him from bottle to bottle. Because of that, he has been undisturbed. Mm. And so basically, he's grown resistant to change because uh-huh. he has been persistently at ease. Yeah. And then somebody's going to come along and break the bottles. That's the kind of the way it ends up. Mm-hmm. So I think prolonged, uninterrupted ease for culture and for people, though it is comfortable and desirable in that sense, is actually bad for us. Mm-hmm. Imagine a land war 
inside the continental United States. <clears throat> right. Don't want to really imagine that. No. You know, it would interrupt our conveniences and our taking it easy, our plenty to eat and, you know, plenty mm -hmm. to watch and plenty of leisure. I don't mean that I'm at all interested in that, but I'm just talking about if we compared the Moab scripture yeah. to the be culturally being at ease, uh -huh. Moab, somebody came along and broke Moab's bottles. He got disturbed in a way that he could never come back from. Yeah. That's the idea. Right. Am I being too dramatic, Ken? Uh, I don't know. I don't think you're being too dramatic. I'm curious, you know, when there's time of ease, you know, the bottle breaks. Do we have to wait for the bottle to break, you know, for change to happen? Or is there a realization? Is there anything that we can do personally that uh, we wouldn't succumb to that? I mean, I see, like on social media and whatnot, and, and even in my own life, I try to do hard things. It's kind of a growing in popularity. I see a spike mm -hmm. in trying to go mm -hmm. that route. Is, is that a route that is helpful to this, or are you, what say you? Yeah, I think it surely can be. Yeah. I think it can be. I think we can voluntarily introduce some difficulty to our life and circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean in a way that's like Goggins. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking about Goggins before we pushed go. Some people are taking it too far, I think, in that regard, which we talked about. Of course, that mention is David Goggins can't hurt me. I think was the book. Yeah, he's yeah. got them out now. Does he? Yeah, I haven't seen any of the more recent stuff, but mm -hmm. I think we can invite difficulty. I think we can say, "I want to do things that are not going to be easy." Mm -hmm. You know. I think with guys, that's kind of maybe comes a little bit natural to some guys, maybe a representative percentage. Mm. I remember being in the second grade. My mom left me home by myself. That strike one, mistake number one. You may have heard the story, Ken. Anyway, I thought, you know, I mean, it's winter. It's kind of cold. I mean, where I grew up, it didn't ever get as cold as where you grew up, Ken. I got to say that. But still, it was uncomfortable outside. So I got my little uh, tasseled buckskin jacket on and locked myself outside. <laughs> I wanted to see if I could take it. There you go. And my fallback plan was, I'm going to start a fire in an adjacent outbuilding. <laughs> <laughs> Which I attempted to do unsuccessfully, thank God, because I didn't have the... It was a second grader, okay? I would have burned the place down. Uh -huh. So I think we... Some people want to, you know, they want to see if they can take it. Yeah. Yeah. There might be a streak in you, Ken, if you see if you can take it kind of thing. I'd like to think so, yeah. <laughs> I've I tried for the, the area quite a bit. Yeah, I like to see how far you can go, see how much you can take. I think the downside that I ran into and that other guys are run, running into is that if it's just you, you're not reacting with anybody else. And yeah, I can do so much by myself, but when other people get involved and there's relational issues, then it's a lot harder. You know, mm -hmm. from what I've heard, Goggins' personal relationships aren't too awesome. That might not be true, but that's the way it heard. But he's able to do things on his own, you know. Right. So we can figure out a balance between the two. Yeah. I mean, that reminds me of the old Kenyan proverb. 
Mm-hmm. You've probably heard of it. That says, if you want to go fast, go mm-hmm. alone. If you want to go far, go together. Right. So there's something in that in what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I think we could also enter that world of challenge and stuff and as a way to reinforce our pride. Maybe we could do it out of insecurity if we're not careful, you know, which yeah. would make us worse off for the effort. So we don't want to do that. Not that everything that's done in that respect or in that space is egotistical. I don't believe that it is. But uh, embracing challenge is an important aspect, I think, of our faith. Faith is risk, you know, stepping out. So whether that be physical or whatever, a lot more we could say there for sure. Why don't we go to point number two? We are being invited into something new in God. It doesn't look much like what is. And it doesn't look much like what has come before. There are few who see it and fewer who enter, though it is being felt and is stirring in the hearts of many. More would enter, but forerunners are needed to make the way for others to come. Would you be one of those? <laughs> Man, I was getting poetic here. I don't know, know what was even going on. But Yeah. I've wrestled with this concept a good bit of my life, honestly. Yeah. The first time I had the sense that I might have something to do in the forerunner space was in 1996, I think. I had left my childhood home, moved a few hours away, and was just trying to figure out what God was going to do with me and my family. Mm-hmm. And I remember I went out for a walk one day. You know, I didn't knew, really knew nothing about the place I was in or anything else. I went out for a walk one day and I came back with this idea that the Lord was saying, you're going to be a forerunner. I was like, yeah, okay, what about that? Anyway, uh, you know, I, I was having some conversation with somebody at work a little later. And they said, oh, yeah, Jesus, the forerunner who entered in before us. I mean, they had the scripture in mind. I didn't even have that for reference. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, and we know, of course, John the Baptist was a forerunner for Christ in the spirit of Elijah. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that if there's something new coming, someone needs to be preparing the way mm-hmm. for folks to basically be able to successfully enter in to something new in God. Yeah, Others need to be getting there a little bit earlier, you know, yeah. and setting up shop. Right. Or at least demonstrating that there is something new that could be entered into. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, the general feeling that I had at the time that I wrote that. I think it's hard to be a forerunner. Yeah. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, it makes it hard. I've got a few things that I think about in that term. But what do you find that is hard in that aspect? I think it's lonely. And yeah. in some respects, you know, you feel isolated. What you're resonating with is not what everybody else is resonating with. Correct. You're resonating with something that a lot of people aren't maybe hearing or hasn't occurred to them yet. Yeah. What comes to your mind? What are those things you have? I've felt on occasion that I've had some things that were in the future and I tried to share those. Maybe I should not have. And (laughs) it was not met with the expectation that I expected. You kind of think, oh yeah, God's about to do this. But that means that the thing that he's currently doing and the things that people are currently involved in, it almost sounds like 
you're saying that they're in the wrong for currently being involved in something that he's about mm. to place. And mm. people generally don't like that. So Right. I was yeah. told to just be positive. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about actual experience here, folks. Close and personal. Yeah. What you need to do is just be positive. Right. Come on, Ken. Yeah. <laughs> I probably do. I could use some well, more positivity. Yeah. You know, people don't like change, right? Correct. We don't like change. I, I'm, I think I lean in the direction of change. Mm. I mean, I'm not totally opposed to the idea of change, but change that was someone else's idea mm. is probably the least welcome type of change that we encounter as humans. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, if, if we decided to do it, you know, if I thought about it, you know, it's a good idea. Yeah. But if someone else wants to break me loose from my routine, you know, it's less welcome. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that that has occurred to me over time, mm -hmm. especially in dealing with people who like change a lot less than me. Gotcha. Usually I was the guy over there who was bringing about unwelcome overtures, <laughs> maybe like yourself. Where I'm saying, you know what, it'd be great if, no, it wouldn't be great. It wasn't my idea, number one. I mean, from the person whose idea it wasn't. And, uh -huh. you know, hopefully all this stuff, whatever we're embracing like this and talking about in sort of broad terms, I mean, hopefully we're following God's ideas, right? Right. But leadership is about change. It is about change. Uh -huh. And that is unavoidable, you know? what is it, the ideal state or the improved state of the way things are? Mm -hmm. The only way things improve is by someone being willing to change and bear the cost of that change as well. So we still need forerunners. We've had some, I think. God's doing something new. I believe that. But the bad thing from a forerunner's perspective is you get there before there's anything else. You've got to show up and go, oh, I was headed here. There's nothing here. You know, any yeah. pioneering effort, I think, is, you know, we got to keep that in mind. Sure. Have you found that? I have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On occasion, I don't know if I would be the premier example of a forerunner, but on occasions, I found myself there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For the person who has a prophetic bent, who's maybe change, feels that they're a change agent, if you get this sense that God's doing something new and you're going to be involved and you're hearing about it like kind of on the early part of the sequence, maybe you can have this sense of excitement. Wow, I'm going to get to be involved. The next thing, you know, whatever God's going to be doing in your naivete you can get a sense of like, this is going to be awesome. I'm just going to get there early and I'll have one of the seats near the front. <laughs> oh, depends on how far you're running forward. I got to say that, you know, because if you go too far, there may not be any seats and there may not be any front. There may just be something different. Yeah. You know, you get that forerunner vision. Is there anything to be said about trying to make that happen ahead of God's timing? Yes. 
I think there's something to be said there for sure. I think anytime we get a sense of God communicating to us about something that's coming down the road, it can create some uh, excitement and anticipation and all that. And mm-hmm. we can run out. We can run out ahead of the timing mm-hmm. of God on that. I think I've done that. One thing I try to think about these days, you know, in, in recent years about it is that we cannot speed up God's process or our place in it. We can't speed it up. It's impossible for us to speed that up. Okay. We can slow it down in the sense that we ourselves don't prepare for the things that we feel like we've seen. Mm. Because that's going to slow the process down. So the time we're given between something that we think God's showing us about the future and the time that we're in now, the time between now and what we're seeing in the future, that time's given to us for making ready, right? Yeah. For preparation so that we'll be able to be part of the answer for the things we've seen that are coming. Awesome. Yeah, we got to cooperate with the process. It's a process, you know, especially yeah. in our juventud, as the uh, Spanish speakers would say, in our youthfulness, <laughs> in our juventud, we can not understand that. We just said, God said it's going to happen. Yeah. But I mean, it might not be a blessing if you don't get ready for it. <laughs> right. You know, might be a challenge. Yeah. In my experience. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Thanks. For that. Any any comments? Or you want to go to number three? Nah, we better go to number three. I, I'm already talking too much. I feel confident. I'm just trying to get somebody riled up. I just want to see a few sparks fly if possible, people. Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> email Scott. Don't email me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I asked for it. You're right. I asked for it. He wrote the book. I'm just asking the questions. No, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm tracking with you, man. Number three, what I think we are seeing now is an ongoing set of skirmishes and a battle that is being staged. And so many of God's people are at terrible risk of entering into this battle that is not even theirs. Our battle entrance comes a little bit later when we are led out by a guy on a white horse. Okay, who's the guy? How's this going? (laughs) (laughs) What about this white horse you keep talking about? Uh-huh. Yeah, I got to say, that resonates to me. It, it, my flair for the dramatic comes in again. But uh, yeah, I do think that I see a lot of people, a lot of God's people, you know, fighting the wrong battle, mm-hmm. entering into the wrong battle. You know, this flesh on flesh thing, this what, what would you call it? human strength on human strength thing. Yeah. So much of the battling we see today that's going on in culture, it's animated by spiritual forces. Uh huh. And we're staggering out there in the, our own strength, you know, trying to make a difference in, you know, in human strength, trying to make a difference in a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. I think we've got to discern. Discernment is so, so important in our times. What's really going on here? You know, what's really going on here? Not what's happening, mm-hmm. not how is the conflict staged, but stepping back and saying, what's moving this along here? Yeah. It's like there's a there's a banner 
that's hung up here, right? And yeah. the banner might say, you know, fill in the blank of any of these things that are being stressed in our times. But is that really what's being, what's happening? What's really in contest? Or is there something else that's being fought for and hoped for mm -hmm. other than what's on the poster? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it is. I, in, in fact, almost everything that we see in contest in our culture is not about the stuff that's being named. Right. I mean, we all, I think of a quote from an infamous criminal, you know, in the early 1900s, he was apprehended after killing a whole lot of people. After they apprehended, they said, well, you have anything to say for yourself? He said, I'm a poor, misunderstood victim of society. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the story we tell ourselves about what's going on. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, we're like, yeah, that's the yeah. story we're telling ourselves. <laughs> that quote you're talking about, and there's actually quite a few more yeah. humans all over the place from beginning to end sort of carry mm -hmm. that attitude. From the Christian perspective, I've been saved for 23 years now. Got saved in 2000. Hallelujah. The Lord made, Hallelujah. made it real easy on me. He's like, in 2023, it's going to be real easy. You can say 23 years. I know you're <laughs> not amazing, so I'm going to help you out. <laughs> yeah. From beginning to end, it seems like Christians are always griping about what the world is doing, and then we're trying to tell them what they're doing wrong. And we've mm. got a lot of angst and it seems like we yeah. make that our thing and that's what we're all about it's just finding out what's wrong and then telling everybody is this yeah. is that a little bit about what you're talking about this thing or is it and is it uh what are we trying to do here are we trying to make ourselves safe by getting the world around us to agree with us or what is an example of what it is that you're talking about here you know, you make a good point there, what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Entering into the wrong battle, I think we have a sense that the culture that we're in, we're, we're kind of custodians of the culture. Yeah. I don't want to unpack this much because I think it would take us in a completely different direction. Okay. But there's this sense that the culture, the American culture, mm -hmm. is somehow unfallen. <laughs> you know, it's got a special place in covenant with God or something. Okay. And then if something goes wrong in the culture, then we feel like we got to go over there and squawk it down, you know, or like, you know, like uh, go over there and point out all of the ways that God is displeased mm -hmm. with this cultural happening. Okay. I'm not saying that what's happening in culture is good or permissive. I'm not saying that. Right. You know, there's a lot of things that happens in in our country that we should rightly be grieved by. Sure. But the answer to that is not us barking at everyone, I don't think. I think the answer to that is us us getting closer to God as an individual. I mean, you can't be responsible for what someone else does. They can't be responsible for what you do. But you will be responsible before God for what you do. So. I think we got to get closer to God in the times that we're living in. And we've got to realize that the fallen heart of man is the enemy of God. I mean, if you're walking in your fallenness, you are God's enemy. As, who was it that says that said, 
the guy who hasn't been saved, God's telling that guy to lay down your arms? I mean, should we be surprised, right? If right. the enemies of God are acting like God's enemies? Mm. I don't think we should be surprised by that. No. We would like things to be different. And probably a lot of why we want it to be different and more like we want is so we'd be more comfortable in the context. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? This yeah. is uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, a lot of our displeasure and things of that is so self-serving. We've got to be grieved by the fallenness, okay, around us, mm -hmm. but in a way that doesn't make us grouchy, but rather praying for the people who are yet in their sins. Yeah. I hope that made sense, Ken. It made sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been on the other side of that and committing the errors, and it took some time yeah. to realize what I was doing and just don't want to be a part of that. Same here. You know, there's a lot of movements in our country in past history that kind of paved the way for this grumpiness. Yeah. <laughs> Think of the moral majority. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, some sense, there, there's a lot there. I think we got to be careful not to be like too blaming of anyone, but we belong to another world. Mm -hmm. We already live in it. The heavens, everybody talks about the heavens being open. The heavens are open. <laughs> yeah. And you are seated before <laughs> the throne of Christ in your spirit right now, right now, not when you die. Yeah. And that is the motivation, the motivations of Christ and his example to us and his spirit in us are going to make us like him mm. in the world that we naturally live in. Yeah. Did you make that point? I mean, what I was thinking in my mind when you talked about the heavens being opened, that they're already opened, are we trying so desperately to open heavens that are already open and we're getting frustrated in the process? You said it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm entertained, and I, this is an aside, admittedly, but I'm entertained by our song lyrics, you know? I mean, yeah. We're talking about bring us into the Holy of Holies. Mm. Come on, guys. Yeah. We were brought into the Holy of Holies when Jesus was raised. There's no door standing there that we got to come knock on. <laughs> Remember in Revelation, he said, I was taken away in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I looked up. The Lord's day is any day. Mm -hmm. By the way, yeah. John did not experience this on Sunday for you Protestants. Or it's Saturday for you Jews. I'm waxing arrogant. I don't know what's happening to me. Ken, I looked and a door was standing open in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. The door's open in heaven. We are trying to come up with something that makes a good meeting. Ooh. <laughs> come on, guys. Let's do something that's going to make a good meeting. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get in trouble. Ouch. I hope so. <laughs> Aside concluded. Thank you, Ken, for uh, humoring me and my waxing ridiculous, I think, as Paul might have called it. I'm out here. I'm going to go just get more ridiculous, you know. Yeah. It's biblical. Come on. It's, it's biblical. It is. Thanks for doing that, actually. Oh, thank you.
I think we only have time for one more question, though. At my rate of questions and answer time, we might have room for half of one. I don't know. I'll try to pick a good one here then. Uh, I'll just go straight to the end. And this is a little bit longer. So much is missing in our lives, and we try to fill it up with other stuff than God. We want to be more attractive. We want to have a fuller personality. And we want to be someone we are not. Much of the time, this is because of our view of God is so skewed that we don't believe He is trustworthy to fill us up in our emptiness or lack. Everything else fills the void. For Christians, this can often be a religious spirit. We don't want to look bad in front of our friends. Just when you thought we were trying to get you to buy the book. (laughs) Surely you're offended now. Not Um, me, right? Yeah. (laughs) No, not me either. Not me either. I think that's a, it's a sad fact and it one we should try to acknowledge and embrace if it applies. Mm-hmm. I think we we misconceive this relationship. I mean, it kind of reminds me of something C.S. Lewis said about running after whatever food and drink and sex and whatever else that is ends up in utter emptiness. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that we want, and God is not normally on the top five. Even as believers, we we fail to center our lives on Christ so often we miss that mark. We fall short of it. And we think that something else is going to fulfill us, you know, mm-hmm. being more attractive or being more vivacious or being like someone who we admire. We don't see God as he is. I think trying to be someone else is just a, it's an utter waste of time. Mm-hmm. And it's an utter misunderstanding. God made you with a signature. He made you who you are because he needed you mm. to express himself in a unique way. God gave you life because he wanted to express himself in a unique way. Okay. And if we understand that about us and our the creation intent, and realizing that we are the only one of us that is going to come along, mm-hmm. history, past, ages, future, then we can get settled into the fact, okay, God made me intentionally. He made me to give expression to something about himself that he wanted to emphasize. Mm-hmm. How do I cooperate with that? Once we get a perspective of that, we'll be animated by the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. We're going to be animated by the Holy Spirit, and we're going to make a lot of progress. We're going to make a lot of, the Holy Spirit's going to move us along at a, maybe not always a rigorous pace, but at a, at a good pace mm-hmm. of progress. Like the scripture says, let your progress in your spirit be evident to every person. That's what's going to happen. But a lot of times I think we're just content to kind of repeat the religious jargon Okay. That's circulated in the circles, whatever circles we deal with, whether that's the reformed circles or the, you know, non-reformed Arminian, I don't know, this Calvin, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of religious jargon around and everyone has their own version. But in the interest of fitting in and kind of not seeing the higher vision of purpose for our own contribution, 
we just want to learn the buzzwords and seem like we're up to speed. What's going on? Mm. I think I've done this. I, I know, especially in my insecurities over time, I didn't want to feel like I wasn't up to speed with everyone else or, or I wasn't on the right page. Yeah. But I, I think when we give ourselves to those things, we miss the point. We're, we're wasting our focus and the time that we have to be about the purpose of God mm -hmm. in us, which there is a purpose of God in you. Yeah. Unique one. Yeah. Sure. People are going <laughs> to rub off on us, though. Am I correct? And when we're around certain individuals, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Happen or, you know, we glean from other people. Sure. And what point does it get weird? Where at what point do we go, you know what? I'm just trying to impersonate them. This isn't me. Is there a red mm. flag there somewhere? I I think so. I, I'll just give an example of my own embarrassment. Mm. I mean, I remember when I used to have a lot of stage time. You know, it's been a few years since I had a lot of stage time. But mm -hmm. there was a day when I had a lot of stage time. Occasionally, I would catch myself getting, I'm throwing up air quotes, preachy. <laughs> oh, you like those balloons, do you? That was a nice yeah. touch. Yeah. Okay. I would catch myself getting preachy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what's going on? I'm kind of getting preachy here. <laughs> I mean, it was even foreign to me in the moment, but it was happening. Yeah. It was basically sounding like somebody else. Maybe I didn't have anybody in mind, I don't think at the time, but it was yeah. sounding like somebody else I admired, maybe, or, or making it sound like somebody else. There's a lot of that going on. And once you get it second removed from the person that started it, it looks like pure nonsense to the people who are watching. They're going, I'm not sure what they're doing right now. So that was my experience in this sort of wanting to appear devout. Mm. I know that Jesus like really got on to some people in the book about like, you demand honor from others, but you yourself won't bother to honor God. And I think the essence of the religious spirit is wanting honor from others. Mm. And that is, in fact, a trap. It's a trap. And it beguiles our heart toward God mm. and replaces him and his spirit in essence in the core of our being with something that is, in fact, a dark influence. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. It seems like it works for a time. Well, well it, it resonates. I think it, there's other people that are being moved along by the same thing. Yeah. So it's definitely, I mean, it's like a tuning fork, right? Right. You know, you hit the key of B, everybody in the room is also going to resonate with that. Sure. I mean, every other fork in the room that's tuned to be that is you know what i mean the ones that are tuned to see are going to make a noise you know that's a natural phenomenon that represents the spiritual reality right so yeah it does work for a time i think and it's got its own fulfillment it's got its own sense of fulfillment mm -hmm. i looked good in front of my friends yeah that kind of feels good you know, it right. does. It's not bad to look good in your front of your friends. I'm, but for that to be the reason you're doing what you're doing, you're probably either immature in your approach or you're going on, on a false path. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah, I think we got to watch out for this stuff because it's very sneaky. Because the religious spirit, okay, and maybe that's not language that you've heard, religiosity or uh, religiousness, whatever you might call it, it is a false and it's an evil Mm -hmm. thing. A lot of us as believers, we treat, we think about the religious spirit as like, ah, yes, neutral. (laughs) That's a neutral spirit. (laughs) You know, just in terms of Christianity, that religious spirit, that religious system that lives within it. Now, there's also a, a pure Christianity, yes. but but the religious system lives within it, and it definitely feeds off of that. And I feel like that's why you can succeed in it for a while, because so many people are biting off that same fruit. Mm-hmm. It sounds, mm-hmm. and there's a market for it. Indeed. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if God would open our eyes, and what I'm saying there is, Lord, open our eyes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Open our eyes, Lord, to see like you see. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why we fail to see like the Lord sees, I mean, there's a number of reasons why, but we don't walk in a motive of love, right? So if we see things as they are and our motive is not love, then we're going to be a destructive force with the things we've seen because we're going to think it's my job to be cranky and go and correct everyone, you know? (laughs) So if we can have a motive of love, if we grow in, if we're asking God, open our eyes and let us see like you see, we should also be asking with equivalent sort of emphasis, Lord, give me your heart and your motivation. Give me your heart of love and your motivation of love so that the things that you want to show me and that I want to see won't destroy me and destroy other people. Mm -hmm. I felt like the Lord emphasized to me long ago, if you have my motivation, I can show you anything that I want you to see. Mm. If you don't, I'm going to have to show you Less, (laughs) you know, for your own good and for everybody else's good, you know. So I think we need to realize that and grow in it. Even if you find yourself being highly discomforted by this conversation, I mean, maybe you find yourself located in a way that you don't feel awesome about. I mean, all we have to do, all we have to bring to God is weakness. Mm. Okay. That's all we got to bring it. And don't think he's going to be surprised when you show up with your weakness. Yeah. You know, he, he, he's not going to be surprised. He's God. He, know, he knows the end from the beginning. And he is right there full of grace and compassion and healing and restoration and joy for your approach. Mm-hmm. That's the God we serve. It's not the construct of the religious culture. That's who he is. Yeah. He welcomes us in whatever state. Just the fact that we're coming to him brings him joy. I love that about so much of the scripture that's borne out in a doubtless way. Mm. Can that, like the forerunner, can that be a little bit of a lonely place sometimes when you're the one being yourself while everybody else is flocking towards the popular? (laughs) Yeah. The thing that is now, right. Mm -hmm. The forerunner is not attached to the thing that's now. Mm -hmm. He's kind of attached to the thing that's next. 
And I yeah. think that's what makes it lonely because yeah. he's already headed out. I mean, he headed out before the party was over. <laughs> right? Yeah. Did you ever read or look at that essay? What was the guy's name? Robert Burnham, maybe. It was called, uh, it was about Christian City. Oh. You, you know the one I'm talking about? Escaping Christendom? Ah, yes. Escaping Christendom. When I think about the Forerunner thing, I kind of think about that sometimes. Yeah. That is a excellent article, but I've sent it to people I respect that said, where did you get this hogwash? <laughs> <laughs> I've read that every year for the last, I don't know how many years, and I can't get a single soul to read it, so I don't know. No, man. And I think that's part of our, I mean, I did not know that, Ken. I wasn't trying to... Uh, I had no knowledge of that before you just said it. Yeah. Let it be noted. Yeah, but totally. uh, right, you can't get anybody to read that. No, the name alone, I think, is tough. Or reading alone is tough for a lot of people today. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And thinking, yeah, equally difficult. We would prefer someone else to do our thinking for us and tell us what we should think. Yeah. Why not? It's a lot easier. So much easier. Yeah, but that escaping Christendom thing, which I think you can find that on the FX Missions website. I think I've got a link out there to it. If you haven't heard of that, escaping Christendom. Yeah. A simple Google search, you should find it. Yeah, it's the PDF out there. It's an unknown dude. I don't think he ever wrote anything else or anything after it was written in the 80s. And this is an important message, I think. Yeah. Especially it was telling about a time that was yet to unfold around those, I mean, 10 years later, all that made sense to anybody who was paying attention. But guess what? <laughs> We're too busy going to our fill-in-the-blank, Robert Burnham style uh, right there. I don't know, you know. We're too busy going to our church of the pick your flavor. I think that's what, you know. The, yeah. You know. I got to say, honestly, that uh, that was a mind shift for me and definitely had an impact on mm. my journey forward from there yeah not immediately and not at a fast pace but overall yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, for sure it's i think in that book and i kind of goes with what we're saying here in this anthologies from the forefront kind of review uh, as the book's being published about religion and the future he really called it in very clear terms about how christendom which was the word he used. Mm -hmm. I don't think he used Christianity, but he used Christendom. I tried to translate this in in Latin America unsuccessfully many times. (laughs) Yeah, just they don't have the word. Oh, you know, it's it's different. The wording's different. So, but the Christendom idea is that it's Christianity for its own sake. Mm. That's, I think, what was so stark and, and startling to me when I first read that. It's like God has kind of been displaced from the entire thing, and it's moving under its own power. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. uh, just wow. for the for sake, though, can you uh, dive into that a little deeper? It's like mm-hmm. we're on an airplane, and we've kicked the pilot off, and we're on autopilot. Is that what you're saying? Or? Yeah, yeah. It's like... I think about this quote from Thomas Akempis. If you haven't heard of him, he was uh, kind of in the, I don't want to say dark ages, but it's like long time ago, 700 years ago or something. He said, we have to love everything for Jesus' sake, but love Jesus 
for his own sake. Mm. And what happens to us is we love the things, we start loving things for their own sake. Okay. I love the way I sound when I sing that part of the song. Or I love this or I love that for its own sake. It becomes its own thing. Whatever grace and goodness and redemptive characteristic that was inside of the thing gets displaced when you love it for its own sake. Mm. And so he just highlights this very well, how you, you know, things, they move under human power that once were maybe representative of God, and we get devoted to those things, and we consider them devotion to God. Mm. Even when there's something calling to us from another place and drawing us, it's like we're being inoculated Mm. against something that's virile, which is the presence and purpose of God is full of virility, but we're being inoculated so that we're not under the influence of that power by this something that resembles it in image only. Yeah. That was a lot of words. Sorry. <laughs> you did good. We've exceeded the one hour mark, Ken, and I'm not, uh, that wasn't my intent, but uh, here we are. Right? Hopefully we've given, in fact, something for people to think about. Yes. I think so, but that'll be up to you to decide. <laughs> the Lord will make it clear, right? Yeah. So I'm really glad you didn't ask me question number four, though. I didn't really want to have to unpack that in front of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. If you want to know question four, email me. I'll send you the list of uh, six things that Ken called me out into the octagon about and uh, <laughs> and promptly dispatched me around the ring. Finishing me with a rear naked choke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have enjoyed this, Ken. I have enjoyed it. From time to time, we should get together and do this again, I think. Yeah. Just for fun. Yes. Maybe we could kick your podcast back off and I could come on as guest. Oh, there you go. I like <laughs> it. I'm thinking about it. I have deeply enjoyed this time. And I appreciate you co-hosting with me on all these things. It's been really good. Mm-hmm. Super enjoyable conversation. The hour and a half flew by, which is a good thing, I think. Indeed. Indeed. Time flies when you're not in pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to say as a parting commentary on your side? Get the book. Buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> it will be available on Amazon by the time you hear this. Uh-huh. Anthologies from the forefront. Religion and the future religion and the future you know it's from the catalog of longest title ever mm. longest title ever just yeah. look over there and longest title ever you'll find anthologies from the forefront the third edition religion and the future yeah yeah thank you thanks kim yeah let's let's not just do christianity in general as you know we're just seeing all over the place but Somewhere in scripture, it tells us to be mature. And I, I feel mm. like this can, with the Holy Spirit, can help us to get there. So sometimes mm. it just takes 
somebody to step up and say something in a way that we haven't heard before. And I feel like your work does that. So I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Scott. I appreciate uh, what the Lord's doing through you. Thank you for your encouragement to the. Mm-hmm. Thank to, you. Uh, thank to you. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it very much. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to hear more from Ken and you want to encourage him to kick his podcast back off, you can email me and I'll pass it on to him. Yeah. Encourage you to share this with someone you think it might bless or aggravate. Either way, feel free to share it. And uh, you can also leave us a rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I am Scott McClellan for The Leader's Moment. Until next time, have a good one. Thanks for being here. And thanks also to Ken for joining us. Something that stands out to me as I reflect on the conversation we had particularly about being a forerunner, perhaps you feel like you're called to do something new or different or maybe do something current in a different way. That can be unsettling. I just want to encourage you that if God's given you a picture of something that you're supposed to be involved in or that you would like to invest yourself in, make sure and be careful to follow his timing and not also, at the same time, feel awkward if you're a little bit out of sync with others who maybe haven't seen that vision. God speaks to people and he leads them into futures that don't exist by helping them collaborate with him and create one. And I think that's a good takeaway and should help you on your journey. Make sure you're here next time. We have an extra special guest with a powerful story coming up. Thank you for being a part of the Leaders Moment podcast. We also want to say thanks to Vision Voice, our sponsor, and encourage you to check out their website at visionvoice.us. Also, if you haven't already, please visit leadersmoment.org slash follow to have this podcast and future ones delivered to your favorite podcast app every time we publish. Thanks again.